Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. This sets that market for those that 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 guy that's a two or three maybe looked at. You know, not a guy that's gonna be your ace, right, so to speak. And maybe in a three or a four, you know, when you're looking at your rotation. But we do we uh, do get a little bit of a barometer now. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Anytime a guy like this with with his pedigree of, of and pitching in postseason, everything else, he sets the market. And I, if I'm any of the other clubs, I'm sitting there and saying this is a comparison. Interesting. That was uh, Harold Reynolds and Matt Vaskersian on MLB Network this morning, and they're talking about Eduardo Rod- uh, Rodriguez as the Tigers reportedly have signed him to a five-year, $77 million deal. So the AAV, roughly about $15.5 million. He was 13-8 and eight last year with an ERA close to five and close to 160 innings pitched. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. But this is the Danny Mac Show on a Monday. That is BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And uh, away we go. The text line is wide open for you for anything that we jump into. But good morning, and hopefully you had a great weekend. Good morning, Dan. I did. I had a wonderful week. I was out at Side Project on Saturday with, I think, probably a thousand of my closest friends for what ended up basically being a block party as they were celebrating their seventh uh, anniversary. So congratulations to Side Project. What is Side Project? One of the best breweries in the world. And we've got it right here in St. Louis. Awesome. I thought yeah, it was isn't cool. it just in uh, is it in St. Charles or where it is, is it Maplewood? Exactly? Maplewood. Maplewood. Yeah. That's right. I should have remembered that. Um I should have uh, I should have remembered that. I was thinking of a, a different spot, place. Good spot. Highly recommend it to anybody that uh, that likes beer. Get yourself over to Side Project. Awesome. It's a really good place. Awesome. Um, How was your weekend, Dan? It was great. You know, um, let's see. Spent a lot of time with. Uh, I'm going to give a shameless plug out Please here do. too. So my uh, wife Mine was not paid in any so, way, shape, yeah. or form. So <laughs> <just> uh, beer. <laughs> my wife uh, took our took three of our four kids who love to play golf, as you know, down to Florida for a week, and they had a long weekend. So. So I was here with my oldest daughter, who is playing basketball at a local high school here. So she could not leave. She had practices and games and stuff like that. So on Saturday, I said, hey, let's go. Uh, let's go have a nice dinner together. Be like, you know, people are going to wonder. It's, I said, you're starting to get old now. So she looks older like a young lady. I said, people are going to say, oh, no, what's happened to Dan? <laughs> and man, he's with these young ladies. I said, so, you know, this is weird. This is not going to be good. But it, we went out, and uh, we had an awesome dinner at Palmano's. And if anybody uh, loves Italian food like I love Italian food, Palmano's is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So we ate uh, so much food, and I actually thought I might do this, so I didn't eat for like a day and a half, that I walked away just like... Dan, that's nothing new from any other day for you. You eat I, like a bird. <laughs> well, I do. You're like, hey, here's a piece of bread. This will get me through the next four days. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of coffee. Yeah. So, um, but yes, I went after it, and it was the most I've eaten in probably five years. And same with my daughter. And she, poor thing, had basketball practice the next day. She goes, Dad, I don't know how I'm going to make At it. At least it's pasta. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's, that's what I said. Carbs. <laughs> that's what I said. I said, you're going to put in the pasta. It's going to be good. I mean, it was gluttonous, dude. I almost felt bad. No, 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 no. You feel good about that. 
Oh, we rolled out of there. It was ridiculous, but it was so good and so much fun. So I did that. Uh, and then yesterday was down at the uh, Blues game. 4-2, 4-4, 5-4 lose. Ah. Uh, that one was tough. That was a tough weekend for the Blues to lose both games late like they did. And uh, I am excited, though, looking forward to this in Perunovic coming up. I want to yep. see what he can do. I, I just, you know, he has forced their hand. Now, they've had issues, clearly, with their defense here recently and with COVID issues and with pairings and maybe ineffectiveness. Um, but I, I I also think that it's a credit to him to have gone down to the minors and put up the numbers that he did, the ridiculous numbers. So he forces their hand. He's pushed the envelope to give him a shot. And I think it needs to be an extended shot. I think you need to see what he can do, give him the ice time, put him in different situations, and see what kind of player you have. Because what he's doing in the minors, BK, is just ridiculous. Yeah, he has 20 points so far this year through his first eight, uh, 12 games in the season, two goals, 18 assists. He's a playmaker. Um, and he wasn't the only move the Blues made earlier today. They reassigned Joel Hofer, Dakota Joshua, Callie Rosen, all down to the AHL. So this sounds like it's part of a series of moves where my guess, this is an assumption, this has not been announced yet. My guess would be Sunquist is coming back. Shen my is guess would be close. Shen is close, if not already back. Um, you're probably getting Tori Krug back very soon, Ville Husso, based on the fact that they sent Hofer down, is probably going to be able to return as well. So you're getting closer to being healthy again. Now, those guys being on the ice does not mean they're 100%. We've seen this with Ryan O'Reilly. He's clearly not back to his pre-COVID self, but it's better than not having them on the ice. I thought he battled, though. I I think you can tell with him. Tell me if I'm wrong. I, I, I'm with you. Not that he's a step slow. Not that I, I can't put, quite put my finger on it because the guy just battles, man. Yep. He's, he hounds the puck. He hounds the opposition. I thought he battled great last night, you know, but I and he made a couple of great passes, too, that could have set up a rush, and all of a sudden you got something going. But I still believe that there's just something not quite right. Not yeah, and he'll quite. be fine. Like, I, this, I, I agree. This yeah. is kind of, I know, Chiefs comparison. Who could have seen this one coming from BK in the first 10 minutes of the show? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like the problems with the Chiefs, right? Their problem was the best player in the world wasn't right. But when he gets right, it looks like it did last night. When Ryan O'Reilly gets back to being himself, it's going to be fine. Yeah. This team, I am Shen not in the least Krug. bit. Yeah, I'm not in the least bit worried about the Blues. Me neither. But they have lost five of their last seven games now. So we got to talk about it. And in the moment, we got to try to figure out, okay, what's going on here? And part of their issue, Dan, is defensively, they're just not where they need to be right now. So that's where Scott Perunovic comes in. My fascination with this is where he fits into the lineup. Because I think they've kind of fallen out of love a little bit recently with Jake Wallman. And Scandella a little bit. Scandella for sure. But Jake Wallman's ice time has come way down. He's down in like the nine to ten minute range, which... As a defenseman, I mean, he's being played like a fourth-line player right now. Right. That you, you can't get through 82-game schedule like that. So if he's going to be the one that bumps out, which would be my assumption, do you put Perunovic in that third pairing to get his feet wet, get him re- get him ready, try to figure out, okay, are, are you ready for this at the, at the NHL level? How much time can you really take on? Or do you just baptism by fire put him up there with colton pareko because scandela has been struggling and that's what i would and do see what that looks like i would I, I you know to me let him go see what he's got i remember when barrett jackman was uh, a rookie and he was so young and they they paired him for the better part of the season with al mckinnis and knowing that okay we got the, on the other side you got a guy that's going to help you out he's going to cheat a little bit for you he's going to take care of your deficiencies if you have them 
And I, I just think then you build confidence. There's a comfort level with your pairing out there. I, I would. I would take a look at it, take a chance. And if it doesn't work, then drop them down. Play him on the power play or whatever issues or whatever uh, aspects you want to use him in and special teams and let him go. You know, I, I would like to do that. My problem is with the way that they're utilizing that top pairing right now. They're almost platooning them. And the, the way they're using them is they're getting more defensive zone starts than any other pairing in, in the sport right now. So you're seeing a lot of Scandella and Pareko in their own zone hemmed in. And that's by design because right. that's your shutdown pairing. I think I would put him on the third pairing to start just to get him as many of those ozone starts as I possibly can. Because right now he's an offensive defenseman. Now he's fine defensively. He was better in the preseason based on all reports than what most people were expecting him to be defensively. But for now, I think that's where I would start him. Otherwise, you just have to change the way you're playing those guys. For sure. I just don't think you can start Pareko in his own zone as often. And I don't think you want to neuter him. So this is really, it comes down to Scandella's just got to be better. It's got to be better. Um, the final thing I have for this weekend, Mizzou. Watch a Mizzou game. Liked it. Liked what I saw. Wasn't great. Liked everything other than the quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got to wonder what they do this upcoming weekend. Can't start him again. I, I don't think do he it. can either. Got to go back to Brady Cook. I thought the um, St. Louisans got to get the start next week. I, I totally agree with that. And I felt like when they went to him was odd. And how they used him at the end was, it was telling is what it was, Dan. Four well, and a half minutes left in the game. You got to have it. You have to trust your quarterback to make the right reads. And they decided to go with their redshirt freshman as right. opposed to the veteran who started 20 games in his career now. Yeah. Tells you everything you need to know about their trust level right now with Connor Bazelay. So are you okay with the Chiefs last night? I'm sure you're flying high after oh, last felt night. It's so good to watch them. Oh, hey, God. As, here we go. I got to ask you guys. Oh, God. As sports fans, wasn't that more fun? Didn't you enjoy that? That was like watching the Golden State Warriors at their peak. And then having them go through the downward trajectory where everybody was getting hurt and everything. And then being able to watch it again. It was great. It was oh great boy. last night, wasn't it? Wasn't it, boys? Didn't you have fun with that? I didn't have the sound already, but oh, hell no. <laughs> wow, Tanner, watch your language. They're back atop the AFC West. How about that, Dan? Yeah. What, what a strange season this is. Uh-huh. Two games above 500 now or what? Six and four, baby. Yeah. Six and four. I'm all over Gotta it. Gotta love it. I'm all over it, bro. All right, so let's get into this. Eduardo Rodriguez uh, sets the market potentially here at uh, 15 and a half, the average, a uh, well, the AAV. So 13 and eight. So has the market now been set for mid-level starters? Guys like John Gray, Anthony DeSlafani, Alex Wood, Stephen Matz. Matz intrigues me, by the way, for the Cardinals. I'd like to see a lefty. Welcome to the bandwagon, Dan. Oh, you're on that too, yeah. huh? Uh, that's one that would interest me. Um I, I got to wonder what Verlander, Grinky, Kershaw are looking at. It's probably beyond that. And um, that mid-level tier guy, which is what we've been talking about, if you feel that Jack Flaherty is healthy, he's a number one. And then you have some other guys that could evolve in spring training to be your two and your three and your four and your five. When I look at it, do they have five starters? Sure they do. But do I want a guy to come in and be an established starting pitcher in your starting five? I do. That's the mid-tier guy. I think one of those guys I just mentioned is somebody you go after. I need somebody that can throw 170-ish innings that I feel like I can count on it going into the year. And is that maybe a fool's errand because all of these guys could potentially get hurt? I could listen to that argument. That's fair. But 
somebody that's done it consistently, that has shown the durability over years in their history of being able to go out there and start every fifth day, that's what this team's missing. Because Dakota Hudson, I loved what I saw from him down the stretch, but he is coming back from Tommy John, so there's at least a little bit of risk there. Jack Flaherty hasn't played really a full season since 2019 now. Uh, Adam Wainwright is more than 40 years old. Uh, There's a lot of risk. Miles Michaelis, we know what the injury concerns are. There's a lot of risk with a lot of the guys inside of the Cardinals rotation right now. I want somebody that brings stability. So those guys that have broken down in the past that are really high upside, I'm not looking in that market for this team. I think they make a lot of sense for a lot of different teams out there, but not this one. I want a guy like a Marcus Stroman or Steven Matz. I know has had injury concerns a few years ago, but it's been a while and he's now been healthy for a few years now. Those are the types of guys. John Gray, you mentioned as well. He's in that market. Those are the ones that I'm looking at, and they're probably going to cost you 15 to 18 ish million dollars. I think they're in the same range with Eduardo Rodriguez. So, yeah, I think you learned a little something today about what you're looking at. The biggest thing to me, Dan, was not the money. It was the years that we saw in Rodriguez. I think you might have to go an extra year relative to what you're expecting in this market to be able to get it done now. And And that's what I'll be interested to see if the Cardinals want to do or not. I'll double down on that because I think for Detroit, this is a a perfect fit for them. Now, they are very left-handed heavy in their rotation. I mean, they get Scooble. They got a couple others that they like that are lefties. Um, I think it made sense for them because they're close. Mm -hmm. I really believe they're close. They have two top prospects that will probably graduate to the major leagues. It would not shock me one bit if Carlos Correa, the shortstop from Houston, reunites with A.J. Hinch. The Tigers in the past have shown that if they're close, they're willing to spend the money. So they would spend money on a cornerstone player to get him. And for Rodriguez, I believe he lives in Orlando and they train in Lakeland. So that made sense. Those are always interesting for me to see kind of how that that connection works with the spring training sites. I do think it matters. Oh, it definitely matters. I mean. From the Cardinals' perspective, Miles Michaelis lives in Jupiter. He's a Jupiter kid. So do you want to spend uh, two months of your what would be your season, spring training, at your home in your own bed when you know the next six months you're going to be in a hotel room potentially? Yeah. And you've got a young family and kids. You want to do that. And then you also are allowed to go to that facility as a member of that team and see the medical team down there and those that are with your organization. So it does make sense to find a fit that's close to your home. Um, I'll give it an example. You know, like Matt Holiday, there was a lot of talk of him coming to the Cardinals coaching staff. And the biggest downfall for him on a personal level was the fact that his kids are getting close to being drafted and it's it's kind of a lonely existence it's spring training i mean you're by yourself a lot of times his kids gonna be in school and for him did he want to spend two months of that season alone in a hotel or you know wherever they're going to put him up um condo whatever facetiming when he knows his kid is his senior year and has a chance to be one of the best players in the country and miss that that's hard to, I mean, that's a hard decision to make. Uh, talk to Matt about it. Um, I do think we're going to see Matt Holiday around the ballpark a lot more this year and kind of a consultation role with the club and then maybe down the road see him in uniform at some point. But that's what I'm talking about with the greater picture of this. For players, they always say, man, I just want to be close to home. Close to home, even if it's at the big league club or where I train. And, and a lot of baseball players are down in Florida. They're in Texas. They're in Arizona. They're in California. So 
you do want to stay close to those places. It makes it very enticing. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN told us this um, when he was talking about some of the free agent decisions that were being made by NHL players over the summer. He said, hey, a lot of the time it comes down to where's my stuff at? Mm -hmm. And do I really want to move my stuff? And if the answer is no, you're probably going to stay where you are, Uh, at least if the offers are semi-close. And I think that's kind of what this is for spring training sites for a lot of guys where it's like, I don't want to move my stuff. They play over in Arizona. I'm down in Jupiter. I would rather sign if I if I've got my options here, I would rather sign with a team that is closer to where I'm at right now. So it makes all the sense in the world. Um, As far as the pitching market, though, just for for where the Cardinals are at, I am a little surprised that it happened this quickly on a guy that's going to make this much money. Yeah, I didn't see this developing as quickly as it did. Debate of are we going to see guys sign before this deadline of December 1st, 2nd, whatever it is of the CBA? And how aggressive will teams be? And do teams then say, hey, Eduardo Rodriguez, here's this great offer. It's on the table for a little bit, and then Mm -hmm. we're going in a different direction because we're trying as an organization to get things buttoned up before the CBA. I wonder if that's happening, too. I I don't know. Oh, I think it totally could happen. Um, If I was one of the general managers right now, I would be saying, as of December 2nd, I don't know that this offer is going to be on the table. Sure. It might be. But it could completely change. The entire premise of the way that the economic structure is in baseball could change on December 2nd. So I don't know if this is going to be there, but it is right now. So if you'd like it, go ahead and take it. And maybe you do add in an extra million dollars per year or an extra year on the um, on the table, the way that the Cardinals did with Dexter Fowler to get that one done many years ago. I could see something like that. And it's also interesting to me, the guys that are getting the deals done right now. Andrew Heaney is a bounce back candidate. Mm-hmm. He is this year's version of Robbie Ray, or at least a lot of people believe he's he a lot be that. of home runs. Absolutely. Uh, but if you're able to make a couple of tweaks there, the upside's very high. Eduardo Rodriguez, if you look at the nerdy numbers, Dan, really good last year. His FIP, which is one of those numbers that I know a lot of people hate, but it's fielding <laughs> independent pitching. So based on his strikeouts and his walks and the contact that he gives up, how good was he? It's a 3-3. That's really, really good. As ERA, though, was a 4-7-5. Right. Not so good. So if you look at the traditional numbers, not a great year for Eduardo Rodriguez. The nerdy numbers, he's been an excellent pitcher for about five years now. So it's interesting to me the guys, the styles of pitchers that are getting done now early, too. It's awesome. Uh... Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac show with BK. It's a Monday and uh, BK, I'm assuming you'll be with Alex for the next three hours after this fine program. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you guys have coming up, by the way? I know it's not the crossover, but I am curious. We have Luke Korak coming up at 1215. We will talk to him about the news that Scott Perunovich is getting the call up. Uh, we'll be talking a lot of blues, as you can imagine, uh, what this team is going to do with its top pairing. So lots of blues between 11 and 2. All right. Uh, back to some baseball here. TJ McFarland. So the lefty, the Cardinals picked up that uh, they thought, OK, this would be a good pickup. Throw some strikes. Maybe we, there's a few mechanical things we can adjust. Get that sinker rolling. Get some ground ball. Balls. Man, they struck gold. Guy was awesome. And they brought him back, and rightfully so. He earned the contract that he got. And he was on MLB Network Radio uh, last week and talked about what it's like playing, pitching, being with the Cardinals. I'm not a huge swing and miss guy. I'm not a huge strikeout guy. So I rely on uh, getting out in the zone, a lot of swings, a lot of contact. 
And I, I need to rely on that defense. I, there was multiple times I'd go back into the dugout after the third out and go up to either whether it be, you know, Arenado or Goldschmidt or, uh, you know, Tommy or, or Bader or Neil be like, Hey, I, I thought that was gone. Or like, Hey, I thought that was going to get past you. And they're like, no, we got you. Like, what are you talking about? Like, so, I mean, just this yeah, utmost confidence to be able to, to throw any pitch at any time, um, knowing that if they do hit it, it's going to be an out. Now that's a sales pitch. If I've ever heard one, if I'm, uh, let's say I'm a guy on the, the rebound. And I'm looking for a home. I'm still going to get paid, may not get the long-term deal that I want, but I'm trying to reestablish my market. I got. I, I mean, <laughs> if I'm an agent and I have a pitcher that's doing that, I'd say, hey, what about St. Louis? Not only are you going to have a chance to win, they've shown interest, but if, if they get you back on track and they've shown that they can with certain guys, McFarland, Garcia last year, others, and we know you can throw strikes, with the defense that's behind you, you're going to have a chance to put up some numbers here, and those numbers mean dollars. Why not reestablish yourself in St. Louis? I, I I think you have to look at that if you're a pitcher. You have to. You know who fits into this criteria for me, and it's, it's not a perfect one-for-one one by any stretch, but Michael Pineda has a really high pedigree, and he's a guy that in his I thought career, they were going to get him at the deadline. I did, too. I thought when they it said there half, was a, I thought it was Pineda. When they said there was a deal between the Twins and the Cardinals, yep. I just assumed, okay, Pineda's coming over, and that's a pretty good move. Um, he, he is not as... Uh, He's not as um, effective over the long haul as some of these other guys are. He he gets hurt a lot, but he's been pretty good when he's been out there. He started 22 games last year for the Twins. He had a 3.6 ERA and can go in the bullpen or your rotation. If he's a guy that ends up signing with the Cardinals, I think he could be really good here, like a three two ERA kind of good here. He's got that kind of stuff and the defense that's behind him. He does not walk anybody. He throws strikes all day long. That's what I'm looking for. He's the type of guy that fits into this criteria. I put together a list and um, of the guys who have the, the lowest walk rate on this pitching market. It's Zach Grinke. It's Alex Woods, Steven Matz, Marcus Stroman, Pineda, who I just mentioned, Tyler Anderson. And then if you're going the trade market, it's Sean Manaya. Do any of those guys stand out to you, or is that just like, yeah, that's the grouping? Stroman, Mats, uh, Pineda, all do. Um, Man, I I don't know what it's going to cost. I don't know what he's going to cost. I'd really be interested in Zach Greinke. I'd really... I'd really like 8 to 10. I don't think he's going to get a whole lot more than that. I'd be interested in that. Now, is he the Zach Greinke of five years ago? No. But he's going to throw strikes? Yes. I, that's how I would, and I think that's how the Cardinals are approaching this offseason, reading between the lines and after what they experienced last year and talking with people like watching John Gant, you know, who's got great stuff but couldn't throw strikes. Carlos Martinez, great stuff, didn't throw strikes at times. Here's a question. Frustrating. Frustrating. On Grinky, is he too similar to Wayno? In terms of two guys that are kind of soft-tossing, crafty veterans at this point in their careers, both righties, does that change anything for you? The fact that you already have Wayno who throws similarly, obviously the, the curveball is different. That's the differentiation between the two of them. Granky's mostly a fastball guy, but does that play into the decision there at all in your mind? Let me put it to you this way. I'm still interested, and that would be interest even when I add the other guys first. I would have more interest in Pineda and trading for Manaya. Steven Matz, uh, Alex Wood would interest me a lot. I like Alex Wood. Um, those guys, because they're younger, in some cases, interest me a little bit more, and I understand it may cost a little bit more, 
But let's say if you if you did Pineda Grinky, and now you're saying, well, where are all these guys going to go? I say to Pineda, you you go out in spring training and you you kill it. You're going to be in our rotation. If not, you might be in our bullpen. What do you do with Grinky if Pineda beats him out? I, Grinky would be in my rotation, so he would have a spot. I know what you're saying because I'm looking at it that some something's going to happen in spring training, and I want to be covered. Yeah. Now, am I, am I hedging my bets a little bit too far? Do teams really do this? No, but that's how I do it. I, I totally get where you're coming from. And like, I, the reason why I ask is because I've seen a lot of Cardinals fans on that same line of thinking where it's like, hey, they go out and get two starters. That's where I'm at. I think if you get two starters, one of them needs to be a J-Hap type. Well, that's a, so the two starters that I'm looking at, one is a, without question, he's in your rotation. Okay. That's his resume. That's what he does. Even if he does, like, not have a great spring. But the other guy is a swing guy, so Mm -hmm. to speak, and higher upside in rotation. But if I needed to, I could put him in a bullpen. Because after what I saw last year, I got to be covered. I just have to be covered. And do I have faith in Oviedo, Jake Woodford? Do I think Matthew Libertor is coming? Yeah, but I don't know. I'm fine with Woodford in that role. I, I, I think after what we saw at the end of last year, it's not perfect, don't get me wrong, but I like that flexibility of being able to send him down to AAA. I don't need to carry him on my 26-man roster the entire season. Whereas signing a guy like Michael Pineda, this is a weird way to say it, but you're stuck. If he's not in your rotation, he does have to take up a spot in your bullpen. And he, he very well could be good in that role coming out of your bullpen. But there's just less usage for a guy like that. I mean, think about last year, how often you would actually see a long man deployed. It's just very rare. Uh, maybe that changes with the DH. Maybe that does allow you to utilize it a little bit more often. But there would be so many times last year where you would get into the middle of the season and it was like, oh, we haven't seen whoever the long guy was at that given time. A lot of the times it was Jake Woodford for like eight, nine days. Oh, yeah. And that just seems like a bad usage of that spot on your roster, at least for me. I uh, I wonder if you're the Cardinals, though, BK, if you're saying, look, let's get a starter. And if we need to adjust, we can. And maybe the adjustment is we feel very comfortable with Jake Woodford as the potential fill-in guy, or maybe he he's your number five. But we know and we think the trajectory and the plan is Matthew Libertor is in here in some role. So begins as a starter, so your de facto six starter down in the minors, knowing that at some point he's going to be in the uh, the major leagues. So I bring that up because then it changes your mindset of what you do this offseason. You're saying, let's just get one. We're not going to have to get two. You know what I'm that's saying? Where, that's where my mindset is right, right. now. And I, 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 think I think if you get one guy that's that trustworthy, yeah. I think you're you're probably covered with what you need in the rotation. I also think they should go out and get a bullpen arm. Now, I, the guy that I would be trying to target well, let me ask you this. is let's a one-inning reliever. Okay, let's start from the back end. Who's your closer going into next year? Gallegos. Okay. Who's your eighth guy? Cabrera. Okay. Where's Garcia? If you do, you want to bring him back? Seventh or eighth? Those guys are interchangeable to me. Okay, uh, let's see. We had T.J. McFarland. He comes in with uh, runners on. He's there to Helsley, clean it up. Whitley, and I've got Reyes somewhere in there as a fireman who can come in for a clean inning. Where Jordan I, Hicks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you've got a lot of guys right now. Give me one more. Give me one more. And I'm talking about um, the Joe Kelly type of a range where it's going to be probably a two year. Eight, eight, nine, million. ten million bucks yep. um, over the, the the couple of years, so four to five million dollars per season. See, I would love Joe Kelly. I think that's the perfect type of arm for what this team 
would like to have in the back end of its bullpen Didn't right now. Didn't you think he was filthy at the end of the year? He's great. Yeah. He's great. I mean, his I, stuff still plays. I, I wonder, though, if he, along with his agent, and he's got to be healthy. You know, he's had some health issues over the years, but, and he was, he was struggling with his health at the very end of the postseason this year. So he's got to show that he's healthy, but does he uh, go on a market where somebody's looking for a closer? You know what I mean? And that changes then, especially if it's short in terms of the years of how much money you would you would spend with him. And here's what I'm saying is that if I'm the Cardinals, I feel comfortable with Gallegos in the back end of games. He, he's done it. But I kind of like having two guys that have done it before. Joe Kelly's done that. I mean, I to me, he would be a fit here in St. Louis. And I, my money that I've got, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm spending on pitching. I, I know people want to get the shortstop market, and I understand that. Um, but my to, to improve my team for next year, I just showed you down the stretch, really for about a month and a half, that if I got people that throw strikes and I have dominant pitching with this defense, I'm going to win. I might win some low-scoring games because there are times my offense was dormant last year, and I get that too. But I feel like I have Nolan Gorman coming. I got Jordan Walker coming. Um, now, if they said tomorrow we got Trevor Story, I go, okay, well, <laughs> all bets are off. I get <laughs> that it. Sounds great. Yeah. But I think right now I, I'm just focused on pitching. I'm, I'm trying to push the envelope and making sure. And I'm telling you, I think the Cardinals felt when we're saying, hey, go get one starter or whatever the case may be, one arm. I think the Cardinals feel like they got bitten last year and saying, we just weren't covered and we're going to cover and hedge our bets. Yeah, I just think that's an overcorrection because I think they were right. Like they, they, I think the mistake last year was thinking that the young guys were more prepared, prepared than they actually were. And if they're not... See, I'm not done with Oviedo either. I know exactly. Some, I know some fans are, and I'm just not. I'm not ready to just punt on, okay, they weren't ready in 2021, which means they're never going to be ready to go for the Cardinals. No, I, I think Liberator, based on the results that we saw at the end of last year, should be good to go by midseason. Oviedo, at some point this year, if you've got to go break glass in case of emergency, Oviedo back up in the big leagues in July or whatever, I think he couldn't be able to get you out of five innings and be a number five starter for you. The problem for the Cardinals last year is that Flaherty broke, Michaelis broke, Hudson was already broken, Martinez was broken, and oh, by the way, at the same time, your bullpen was hemorrhaging innings. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's your entire rotation went down. If their entire rotation goes down this year, whether they go add one or two starters, they're bleeped again. Like, (laughs) there's no way to prepare for that. It's just impossible. But what they need to do in season, they've got to be more aggressive. If, If that goes down again in June or July, I'm not anticipating it. That was all-time bad luck for all of them to go down at the same time. Then, yeah, you've got to go out there and find uh, an alternative quickly. But I don't. I can't project that to take place. And so, until it does, I, I can't imagine this team will need two, three, four more starters added into the mix by that point in time. If and when it does happen, I think you're going to have a couple internal options ready gonna, to go. I'm going to throw this at you, and I I'm very curious what your response is going to be. And I'd be curious what fans think as well. And I'll set it up by saying this. They have made blockbuster deals. I mean, they've gotten Paul Goldschmidt. They went out and got Holiday. They got Nolan Arenado. I mean, they've, they've done some some pretty big deals and gave up a lot of young, good pitching. Ozuna, obviously, with the Alcantara deal. Um, so it's not like they're out there saying, well, we just don't do anything. Mm-hmm. They They do. And then you you do see that uh, it's an organization that, for the most part, is very, very patient, too. Whether you like that or not, it has given them, for the most part, sustained winning. 
So my question is, knowing that, but this is a different animal, do you feel that there is a sense of urgency because this is Yachty's last year and potentially Wayno's last year, and you're never going to see that kind of battery again? Not in my lifetime. Ain't going to happen. You may never see a catcher play like this ever again. And these are two really just significant uh, milestone, transformative players over the last two decades. Do you feel that that Bill DeWitt and John Mosellock and Michael Gersh feel a sense of urgency to try to put out what truly is the best roster you can to let those two have a crack at it one more time? Short answer, yes. Long answer, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, you, you need to have some aggressiveness this offseason to be able to make sure you put your best foot forward. But that's only part of it. Part of it is it's their final seasons in a Cardinals uniform, which should be celebrated. And next year, it shouldn't just be the pageantry of going out there to watch them pitch and catch. It should also be you're watching a winner in their final season here in St. Louis. But also, Dan, the books were clean this offseason for a reason. They they saw this coming. I mean, the Cardinals don't do anything for no reason. They plan. And when they're making these signings in any given offseason, they're doing so for the immediate future, and also they're looking at three what to five it looks years like down three to five years yeah. down the road. They saw that there was a potential good free agent class available for them right now. They saw what was coming with Nolan Gorman and jo- Jordan Walker being on the horizon, the Matthew Libertor um, potential front-end starter coming up as well. This entire class of pitching, really, that is very close. And don't forget, last year's first-round pick, Michael McGreevy, uh, he's not too far away either. He was a college pitcher that was taken because he is not far from the big leagues. And he threw strikes. He was the best strike thrower in the draft. He they projects, had enough of the walks, I'm telling you. He projects to be what you need. Yeah. Um. So when you have all of that coming up, and also it's the final year for those guys, and you've got a really good club right now. Yep. Yeah. All of it says this is the year. Yeah. This is where you go not all in because this team is never truly all in. They're a long-term Maybe uh, at the builder. deadline you do. But this is 22-23. Jack Flaherty, two years left on his deal as well. Yeah, This is when you start going for it a little bit. You put your foot on the gas. I think so, too, because you still have Goldie and Nolan in their primes, or at least in very good years. Put it that way. They're not going to go, I wouldn't imagine, from elite players to just average. That's not going to happen. Now, it may be in the back end of their deals, but right now, these guys are studs. And Bader is elite. Tyler Goldie quietly had an awesome year he this did year, he was man. he was unbelievable i kept saying it during the games i'm like i've never seen him play defense like this he was awesome tyler o'neill has turned into the player that they thought he might be he is what we thought we are um yeah somewhere dennis green is screaming at us um but he was awesome he had a great year and dylan carlson by the way does not get enough attention in three to four years this guy is going to be an absolute stud i truly believe that I mean, to do what he did during the truncated season, to come up, felt the pressure of it, uh, and then to to be your everyday starter in somewhere in the outfield this year at the age of 21, 22 in the last couple of years, pretty darn good. In his first year in the big leagues in a pandemic-shortened season, he was your cleanup hitter going into the playoffs. And in his second year in the big leagues, he was a guy that was batting leadoff, second, third for you at different times throughout the season, playing center field for you at times throughout the season. He's... He's a really good player, he a is. really good all-around player. All right, we're going to get to more of that in just a moment. Get to some of the texts as well at 65780. Can't get enough Cards Talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN.
So constantly we are asked about uh, Max Scherzer. All right. <laughs> uh, the texter here, 314. Uh, apparently Max has interest to come to St. Louis. Would you do two years and $80 million for Max? Dan, we agree should to clarify that? on what the interest is, quote unquote, because I think sometimes it's like a game of telephone where it's like, hey, Max Scherzer wants to come here. No, what Derek Gould reported was that Max Scherzer would listen if the Cardinals were interested. And at the trade yeah. deadline, he wanted to go to the West Coast. He preferred to go out West. Yeah, Max Scherzer will listen to all 30 teams this offseason. Max Scherzer is interested. And his agent will say that all 30 teams are interested. A hundred percent. Because if you get more teams involved in a bidding war, Dan, what happens to the price of business for you? It goes up and up and up. So, yeah, the, I, I bet you he would love to come back here to St. Louis. Is he going to do so at the expense of what is going to be the top market deal? I don't know. I probably would say probably not. Um, but yeah, they should be interested in him. He should be interested in coming here. I'm not interested in a 35 plus million dollar per year deal, though, for Max Scherzer. Understood. I get it. Uh, by the way, and he's if, worth it. If you were a great athlete, and I know you probably were, BK, and oh, could man, swing you the bat seen and, me. you know, throw it mid 90s uh-huh. with great movement. Coach um, just didn't like me. That was my downfall. Yeah, that was the, the coach screwed you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, me too. Um, don't you want uh, Scott Boris to represent you if you're 100%. in baseball? I mean, if, if the bottom line was to maximize every dollar of the short window that you have in this game, is there anybody else you'd want to go to? No. I don't think there is either. But, I mean, I, I guess what other agents would say is, well, I'm going to take care of you, and, and he's more worried about the top-end guys. He's not going to worry about you, and I'm going to I'm gonna take care of you. I'm going to be uh, – uh, Rod Tidwell's agent. I'm Jerry Maguire. <laughs> You're my one guy. You know, Cush is over there, and I, I got Rod Tidwell. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure there are a million good agents out there. Like the oh they're, yeah, they're great. Agents get a bad rap in general because it it is a difficult industry, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know a whole lot about. But there's a lot of them that are really, really good at their job. Yep. I know one guy that I know for damn well is very good at his job, and his name's Scott Boris. So, yeah, if I had my pick of the litter, it's like if I was a top college football recruit, right? There's five schools that all of us would want to go to. Uh, Scott Boris would be my choice. If I was a top player and I wanted to maximize my uh, revenue or my my total output for the course of my career, I'd be the guy. Let's see. uh, 314 Scherzer said on numerous occasions that he wanted to be a Cardinal. He said that... As a national, so yeah, he wants to be a cardinal. Who wouldn't? Um, I think, though, we probably put too much into the fact that he's from St. Louis and went to Mizzou. He's a Mizzou Hall of Famer. That's all great, and it's a great storyline to see the kid come home. Um, And if they signed him, I'm sure at his press conference he would say, this is a dream come true to put the birds on the bat, and I understand it. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who pays him the most and a chance to win. So if the Cardinals want to dip their toe into that water, certainly they could. And they'd have the advantage of being, you know, a guy that the nice story of coming back home. I just don't know, BK, if that narrative is going to bring him back home. It's tiebreaker. If the contracts are the same here versus elsewhere, maybe it's a million dollars difference here versus there, whatever it ends up being. Yeah, maybe he would prefer to come home as opposed to playing whatever in Philadelphia, just as a random team. I could see that. That Mm -hmm. would make a lot of sense to me. But is he going to take a one-year $25 million deal here versus a two-year $75 million deal elsewhere? I would be absolutely shocked if that was the case. So typically, a guy that's 37 with all the mileage on that arm and that body, 
uh, aren't getting two years and $75 million or whatever he's going to get, but he might get it. Um, there was an article in The Athletic right around the time that the Dodgers came through St. Louis talking about there was somebody that did uh, a deep dive on the medicals of, I don't know how, but on Max Scherzer and said, you wouldn't believe how how stable the shoulder is, the elbow, all those things. That was the knock on him. I used to do a lot of his college games at Mizzou. He had kind of a violent delivery, and a lot of people thought, oh, this won't play. And then when he signed with the Nationals and that massive deal, they all said, boy, I, I, how can you give that kind of money to a pitcher? Of course, he's going to break down. So now you're you're paying one year of whatever it was, the AAV of $35 million for a guy rehabbing. Well, it never happened. I mean, he he stayed healthy. I just, I mean, the numbers don't bear it out to give him that kind of contract at that age with that mileage, but maybe he's an outlier and it'd be enticing to see here in St. Louis. Oh, he'd be great. If he, he's, I said earlier, I would not give him a $35 million per year deal. I think he's worth that for somebody. I just don't want the Cardinals only offseason move to be Max Scherzer. And I think if they were to wade into those waters, I think it would have to be their only offseason move. I think that's about what they have available to spend based on their previous budgets. This offseason is roughly 35, and that's me guessing. That's speculation. But they said typically they want to be around this number, and that would be about $35 million from where they're at right now. I don't think that's what I would like to see this offseason. In an ideal world, I think they would like to get a starter, a reliever, um, and maybe a batter two. And maybe it is a lower-level batter two, but guys that can help you off of the bench. So... I would prefer to go a different route, but I could understand the argument in favor of it. Uh, I did want to ask you, Dan, because Juan Yepes and Lars Newtbar both played in the Arizona you Fall just League. Lead me All-Stars. what I was thinking about. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, over the weekend, Nolan Gorman did not play in that game because he's rehabbing an injury that he's had over the last couple of weeks. If I set the over/under on two and a half of those guys on the opening day roster for the Cardinals, Yepes, Newtbar, Gorman, two and a half of them, mm. would you take the over or the under? On I think that? I'm going to take the over. I think I'm going to take the over, and I'm not sure I necessarily like it because they're young guys. For two reasons: one, I would love to see a veteran or two on the bench. They're not veterans, and for their growth and development, is it better for them to play every day down in the minors? Now, if they're ready to graduate to the major leagues and the Cardinals know this better than anybody else, then you got to do it. I mean, they're, if they're going to be competent players and can help you mix and match, which both those guys will be able to do. Yepes can play corner infield, corner outfield, and he's just tearing the cover off the it's ball ridiculous. right now. I mean, he's just tearing it up. And Lars Nupar has had a great run in the Arizona Fall League. And you know what? He had a nice run here in St. Louis. So is it better off to have those guys here because they're going to help you? I think I'm going to take the over. And now part of that would be the DH in play. And Nolan Gorman winds up having a very good camp and breaks camp as a DH backup third baseman, second baseman, um, you know, jack of all trades. Guy comes off the bench all the time. That's your left-handed bat with Newpar. And then Yepes, another guy coming off the bench. You got Kisner from the right side as well. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think that may happen. But you have to be comfortable, though, with young players in that role. I'd like to see them go out and get a guy that has done that role and accepts that role and understands how to prepare for that role because it's a different role when you're not playing every day. My guy, Matt Duffy. <laughs> that's that's yes. why I've talked about him as a as an option Jock for this Peterson, team. Peterson, another one. Absolutely. Those guys, uh, I heard, I think it was with you on the morning show earlier this year talking to John Mosaloc. He said it's very difficult to find veterans yes. who want to take those roles. And that's absolutely true. And that's what I was asking before. Is is Jock Peterson now at the level in his career where he says, I am this guy? 
I am pigeonholed as a uh, left-handed bat to come out and mash. Or and now I'm a DH too. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he feels that way and a, and a fourth outfielder. But the the player has to accept that role though to thrive in the role. Meanwhile, for young guys, they have to accept the role. Right. What are they going to do? Like they're they're hoping for an opportunity in the big leagues, and this may well be their best opportunity to do so. I think for Newt Bar, I'm fine with him being the fourth outfielder. I think this is probably what he projects to be here in St. Louis. If he goes elsewhere, maybe he could be a starter, but. I mean, who are you unseating for him to be a starter on an everyday basis? There really isn't an opportunity there. So I'd like to see him get used to comfort and be comfortable in that fourth outfielder role. Uh, Yepes, I think probably same thing. He's probably going to be a bench bat slash DH long term here in St. Louis. Gorman's really the one that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I just don't know what to make of it because I could see him being your almost everyday second baseman next year. I could see him being your almost every day DH next year. I could see him starting the year in triple a. There's just so many different routes that that one could go. The other two, I think makes all the sense in the world to be up in the big leagues. Gorman. I just don't know yet. I just don't know. You're coming up with Alex again, very quickly. Who do you have coming up? Yeah, we've got uh, Lou Korak coming up at 1215. The blues insider, the big news today. If you missed it, Scott Perunovich has been called up. He's going to be joining the NHL club. So what does he bring to the Blues. We'll talk to Luke Korak about that coming up at 12.15, and we'll open up with a couple of rough losses over the weekend for the Blues. What happened? What needs to change in particular with these defensive pairings, and where does Perunovic fit into all of that? That's coming up here in just a moment. BK, Alex, next on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.